Spark Studio presents People, People, People podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to episode six. I sat down with Terry. This was my first interview out of state, which was quite exciting. Terry is incredible. He is so multifaceted, an extremely interesting person, and has some really incredible thoughts. So I can't wait to share this episode with you guys. Here you go. Terry, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, and I actually uh listened to you on a podcast a couple of years ago um you were on Stephen uh Boyd Wallace's podcast that he had yeah <laughs> and I was like oh this guy's really rad um and so then I just started following you on Instagram and I was like oh he's so awesome and yeah, so we've actually never met in person, but I thought you would be an amazing person to have on my podcast. Well, thank you so much for those kind words. And I feel the same. It's been really cool just connecting with you socially, digitally, virtually. And I love this uh, story you tell kind of in your your social circles, your your social platforms, I should say, with just these patterns and really awesome design. Like you bring a really vibrant pop of color um, onto the timeline and, and in life as well. And so it's really cool to be able to finally have a conversation with you. Ah, oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into it. Who are you? I'm Michael Terry Williams Jr. I really enjoy my full name and that I'm named after my dad. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm also father to Terry Williams III. Uh, I am a person, and you probably hear a little bit of it in what I just shared there. I'm a person who thinks a lot about legacy. I'm really intrigued by uh, a quote that I once heard, everywhere a man goes, he takes his father and his son with him. Mm. Um, I love looking at legacy kind of as if I've been drafted to a sports team. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely the guy with the corny sports analogies always. Um, <laughs> but the jersey was printed up long before I was ever drafted to the league. In other words, this family name um, was here long before I was born. And the jersey will continue to be worn in future generations after I retire. In other words, my family name will be here after I pass. And I see it as my responsibility during my years in this jersey um, to really represent it well, to elevate it. This is like my chapter, my time. I'm like, man, can I put up some stats and retire this jersey? I, want to <laughs> I <remembered>. love it. <laughs> and so I'm a person who is aware in the present moment seeking to be not just physically present, but also emotionally and relationally present. Mm -hmm. um, I am one who values and honors empathy. I think how we treat other people is super important. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the thing that I'm most proud of is that I am loyal husband to Ashley and daddy to Terry, Trenton and Reese, my, my beautiful babies. I absolutely love my family. And I think drawing from a place of conviction and core values, uh, my family compels me positively forward into anything that I do that's worth doing. So that's the long and short of who I am. I'm a family dude. I, I absolutely <laughs> love it. That's incredible. And every once in a while you think about the legacy of your family and the craziness and the busyness of 
running around trying to get all the things done. And, but it's really cool how you put it because, you know, oftentimes, like I said, we're so busy that we forget about the longevity of who we are and what we're actually moving towards. And I think we're always very focused on like, you know, how am I doing at my job? How am I doing at the gym? How am I doing socially? But we never like zoom back out and say like, what is my purpose? What is my legacy? How am I representing my family? That's uh, so good. Yeah, we yeah, never, because I mean, yeah. All we can bring into our job is who we are anyway, right? Like yes. it's, it's not about clocking in, clocking out and doing a task. It's about how you show up to everything that is required of you. And that finds its roots in who you actually are. You know what I mean? I know that like, I would imagine that for most people, it's like, who are you? It's like, oh, well, I do X, Y, and Z for a living, right? And then yep. we give labels to our job, like what we do, quote unquote, full time. Mm -hmm. Like, heck no, I do this. I do give a lot of my time to this and it is important mm -hmm. to me and I honor it and I try to be excellent at it. But full time, I don't know, like the fullness of my time cannot be contained um, in my tasks or my title. Um, I once had a close friend, mm -hmm. he had a really rad job title at a really cool organization. <laughs> um, he was kind of like, I mean, I guess you could consider him, you could, you could consider him to be a famous individual based mm -hmm. on what he does, who he works with and, it's like a high profile situation. Yeah. And I remember I would introduce him to people kind of leading with that, thinking I was doing a service to him, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is like flattering. We want to honor this stuff that you're up to because it's really dope. And everybody who hears this is going to flip when they hear yeah. it, right? <laughs> and I kind of picked up some nonverbal cues from him one time and just kind of took note and was like, man, he is so much more than what he does. And it wouldn't really ultimately matter what he does because when people connect with him, they're not touched by what he does. They're touched by who he is. Um, and I realized he was in this position of prominence because of who he is and how he shows up. And that was just so powerful for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so now I just never really lead with what I do. It's all about who I am. But I, I guess I will speak to a little bit of, about what I do now yeah. uh, after clearing that just so people know who they're hearing no, from. No, for sure. Um, I live in Houston, Texas. Um, my wife and I co-founded a gym almost 10 years ago. It's called The League. Um, we do functional strength and conditioning training. Uh, and then we also specialize in all the health and well-being things that happen off the turf. So physical fitness can happen from the reps, but we also do mental, relational, and emotional fitness through mm -hmm. specialized programming that we offer because uh, we just really believe in loving people well. And so we are humans who try to love other humans well through um, our practice and our space and, and just this mm. brand that we've built around being in service to people living longer and stronger lives. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And it really ties into you have a greater purpose than just being a gym owner. Like, yeah, there's a hundred thousand gyms out there and the most like everyday people like me are like, oh, I got to go to the gym. Okay, get up, you know, make yourself go. But when you go to a place like you and your wife had created, it's not just about like lifting weights, but it's about the community. It's about the purpose. It's about the yeah. love. Like, and, and I think honestly, that's why you all have had so much success because 
I think your true passion is building community and loving people. And you're just using the tool of a gym to facilitate that. That is so true. I love the way you put that. That's so right. And then I'm also connected to that. I would say like, I'm not a businessman. Yeah. Like, um, like a business is the thing that you build around what you want to create in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you have to build systems around it and processes such that, you know, it can be relied on and here to stay and it plays by the right rules and gets all the right, you know, accreditations yeah. and certifications and permitting from the city and all of that stuff. So that ultimately you now have a space by which you can foster community connection, growth, life change. So I love the way that you um, spoke to that. That's awesome. Sweet. So good. So um, what do you believe in? What do I believe in? I love this question. Goodness, like belief is at the core of my being. I, I, I believe so many things. And ultimately, it's that love people well thing. Kind yeah. of, I, I talk to it in core values and just kind of who I am, what my family represents. But that's what I believe in above all things. I think it doesn't matter what you believe if you're not a representative of it in mm -hmm. a way that is loving, you know? To give an example and kind of speak to that from the spiritual lens, mm -hmm. um, I believe that Jesus is an incredible example of loving people well, regardless of who they are and what their background is. Um, I know that that can be like this taboo and sensitive subject yeah. because it feels quote unquote religious. And to me, it's not at all. It's this thing I've begun picking up a lifestyle pattern that I call practicing the ways of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I do it intently, but also imperfectly. I don't believe in being holier than, that, holier than thou, as some would say. I don't claim to be perfect. I'm very imperfect, but very intentional and in, in trying to do this thing. Um, I noticed that on Sunday mornings, inside of faith spaces, in a ritualistic routine capacity, there can be traditions, views, opinions, leanings, beliefs held that weren't necessarily what Jesus carried, you know? Yeah. I love how Gandhi says, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Mm. And I don't say that as an indictment on other people who happen to believe um, things connected to or similar to what I believe. Really, I just look at that and I say, wow, I get it. I can understand why. Yeah. Um, I think there's just so much dangerous misrepresentation. There's so much weaponizing and politicizing. And ultimately what we have here in the central figure of Jesus is this human example, this voice of wisdom, this life that was poured out sacrificially for other people. Basically like, look, I will go to controversial lengths mm. to defend the oppressed and accept the misfit and ultimately just extend grace. Yep. It's like this, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Like that's an incredible uh, message of grace. And so I, I'm trying to follow the unforced rhythms of grace and uh, practice the ways of Jesus. That's uh, really ultimately fundamentally the foundation under what I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think the way it shows up in the world is loving people well. I couldn't agree more with you. And it's just a beautiful way you explained it because yeah, in the world today, the world is diverse and that's beautiful. And I always say like, I'm so glad that we live in a world that no person is exactly the same because it would be extremely boring. 
Um, if we all were essentially robots. Um, And, but I love how you just lay Jesus out because when I think about Jesus and I think about the Jesus that I know and read about in the Bible, like he is and was the most humble person that walked this earth. And he met every single person where they were at. It yeah. didn't matter what your status was. I mean, actually, he he came for the people that had no status. Right, and, and had beef with the religious scholars. Like, yeah. those are the people he had problems with. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so if Jesus came back today, like, would he be meeting me? Or would he be like, nope, don't want to meet with you because of, you know, your um, righteousness. And it's like, I want to be the person with Jesus down in the dirt and him saying like, child, like I'm here with you. Um, It's beautiful. And, you know, and I think that plays into for my own life, like I'm just an everyday person that's broken and fragile and makes mistakes every day. And like the last thing that I personally want to do is put myself on a pedestal because then I don't get to be around the everyday people. And Jesus was truly a man of the everyday people. And I think that's what completely sets him apart from anyone else that has ever walked this earth. And it's like, he's humbly meeting people where they're at and, and really just listening to them and listening to what their needs were and, and, you know, and actually obviously knew them, but like took the time to meet them. I remember reading, I think it was some commentary of like, when Jesus healed people, he like didn't have to touch them, but it was more of like a physical like representation to other people to say like, hey, I'm not afraid of the man that has leprosy. Like, Mm. I'm not afraid of, um, you know, this prostitute. I'm not afraid. Like, it was like him physically telling everyone around them, like, I'm not afraid. I'm here to meet these people. And It's just, it's like, when I hear those stories, I'm like, damn, Jesus is good. Yeah. (laughs) Because me and my friend talk about it all the time. We're like, if we believed in Christian culture, we would have been gone a long, long time ago. But it's like, it's, if you really have your eyes on who Jesus is, like, I think people's minds would be blown. Yeah. If it was just organic, raw, like actually what words were spoken, stories were told, actions were performed. Mm-hmm. And is this the life that I accept as the blueprint for my own? Yeah. You know, yeah. powerful. I also love the curiosity that is modeled mm-hmm. in the personhood of Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, not the mascot for the powerful, uh, but the connector to the people. Um, he carried this curiosity and so it was like people of his day were know-it-alls and they had all the answers and they're surprised by his presence and they're challenging him and questioning him and kind of lawyering him a bit and it's just funny because his responses are so like clever and sometimes like snide or sarcastic sometimes oh my gosh. Pissed, I laugh you know? all the time I'm like oh that was a good one <laughs> yeah I mean and I, I love how he's asked 307 questions but he answers three yeah. And in most cases, there's not a definitive answer. There's a question in response to the question. Yep. Or there's a story being told 
from which people can deduce an answer for themselves. I just think that that's so fascinating and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, it's like, you know, what do I believe? I can't just be like, oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah. What do I believe? Man, I believe in curiosity. I believe in connection. I believe in wonderful conversations. I believe in not shying away from conversation with people that I don't necessarily view the world the same as. And I believe ultimately that every person, no matter who they are, what they represent, where they're from, is worthy of my love, compassion, empathy, Mm. and friendship, you know? I couldn't I couldn't agree more and and honestly like I I tell people this all the time. So I live in Long Beach, California and actually Long Beach is probably I think it's like the third most diverse uh city in America. I'll have to fact check that. But I went to the local university here which is Cal State Long Beach and what's really beautiful is my core group of friends like 10 or so people. I mean, we come from extremely different backgrounds ethnicities like you count it like absolutely everything and we like radically love each other and I love that it was so cool like during the pandemic just to be you know because during the pandemic obviously there were tensions were high in all places it was crazy to look at each other and go man why can't the world just you know in a weird way be like us like where we're yeah, we don't all agree on the same exact thing, but we see each other for who we are as humans and we and we see each other as beautiful and we have empathy and compassion for each other even though we have all different walks of lives and views on how to move through this world. And so that's what I'm really trying to do with this podcast is just to show people that, you know, everyone's story is beautiful even if you might not fully agree with who they are or, you know, what they believe. Yeah. I love that you're experiencing that in your circle of friends and that you're modeling that and kind of carrying it over into the podcast so other people can experience what's been going down with you and and your friend group. I think it's huge. I mean, I think that agreement is actually a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) If we all agreed, nobody would ever learn. Um, I think that wisdom can only ever find us in the place of curiosity if we're already so sure, there's nothing that can be taught to us because our mind is closed. Um, I've done some work with an organization that has me facilitate um, some virtual coursework. And one thing that uh, I learned and then was gifted with the opportunity to educate on was below the line thinking versus above the line thinking. Okay. And when you are below the line, it's like having your head below the water line. Like, okay. you might be able to hold your breath for a while, but you can't breathe down there. You yeah, might be yeah. able to open your eyes a bit, but that salt is going to sting in your eyes, right? Yeah. So below the line is characterized by being closed, defensive, and committed to being right. Whereas being above the line, this is like, you know, chin above the waves, you're able to see, you're able to breathe. Um, This is characterized by being open, Mm -hmm. by being curious and being um, committed to learning. And Mm. so, as you can imagine, if we all just agreed, we'd all have license to be closed minded because like, what the heck are you going to teach me? We already see the world the same anyway, right? Versus being above the line is being in a conversation with somebody you don't agree with and leaving that conversation like, wow, that was cool. Like I actually learned something today. Mm, Yeah. You know, it kind of does away with rigidity, you know, I know that doesn't necessarily fit into um, American modern culture where it's like, 
you're either a conservative or you're a liberal or you're this or you're that, right? It's like, yeah. well, what if we're just curious? What if I can give equal parts credit and criticism um, to anybody on any topic such that I can be honest about what mm. I'm learning, what views I formerly held that I'm unlearning, what new information I'm able to relearn from a new context and perspective because I've connected to somebody's lived experience. Mm -hmm. That is just so powerful to me. Oh. So I, I love that you're experiencing that in your friend circle and yeah. sharing that with us. What you just said is absolutely beautiful. And I think it really makes people with deeper character. Because yeah. when we aren't curious and when we stick our feet in the sand and say, I'm not moving, I, I'm, you know, essentially you're becoming a statue because you've frozen in time and you've said, this is, I'm going to die on this hill and this is what I stand for. And then you lose all character. You lose all interest. It's just like now you're yeah, now you're boring. You're a statue and you're frozen. And it's really interesting that you talk about like curiosity because for me, I think I've always been like over, overly curious. Like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. When I, when I was growing up, obviously there were landlines. We didn't have cell phones and people would call my house and my mom would be downstairs and she'd pick up the phone and then I'd pick up the other phone because I wanted to listen to our conversation. I mean, it could have been about like, we're going to play down the street, but like I needed to know like what was going on. And it's- That's awesome. Yeah. I've always had this like, you know, deep curiosity, good or bad of like, oh, what's going on? I want to know like what's happening. And I think now as I get older, it's been really fantastic because like, I do want to know about that person down the street that I don't share the same ethnicity as, or I don't share the same beliefs or, you know, we have completely different political views. Like I want to know why I want to know why they've gotten to these certain beliefs because yeah. that story is so intriguing to me because someone doesn't just wake up and go, Oh, I want to be X, Y, and Z. It is something that's been ingrained in them since they were like five years old, which yeah. is mind boggling to me. Um, and I just, I love like unraveling that. I think it's really fascinating. That is so cool. Kudos <laughs> to you on your radical curiosity. I think yeah, that's, so cool. that's a fun story too about how it started for you at such an early age. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, my mom's would always be yelling at me, Sarah Marie, get off of the phone. I'm like, oh, sorry, mom. <laughs> um, so the final question is, what are you currently doing? Yeah, what am I currently doing? I am dadding. I am <laughs> um, <laughs> I am all about my little ones and just kind of being a big piece of their world. Um, I don't want to be physically present, but then emotionally unavailable, because that's mm -hmm. the definition of neglect. Mm -hmm. um, I am all about getting on their level, coming down to a knee so I can see them eye to eye, letting them know that they matter, that they're important. It was recently made apparent to me in a therapy session that when I was a child, I didn't feel like I was enough. Mm -hmm. And so as you can imagine, that can show up in all kinds of healthy or unhealthy ways totally. in the world as you're an adult, right? Because yep. if you don't deal with that, now you're insecure because you don't feel like you're enough and you have to scream loudly that you are and try to convince people. Yep. Or you're withdrawn and you're like, yeah, why even try? Because I'm not mm -hmm. going to make an impact, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of what I'm up to in the life of my kids is 
trying to make sure that I instill in them the things that will give them a strength that I didn't have access to when I was a kid. In that regard, I'm like interested in coaching their sports teams when I can instead of just spectating. Um, I am interested in sitting with them and doing their reading practice after they come home from school. I'm interested in having great conversations and, you know, things like that. Um, I just love being a dad. And then professionally, uh, I'm up to scaling our gym. We are now franchising. So we'll be multi-site here pretty soon. Uh, Kind of first growing organically throughout the Houston area, uh, potentially, but then also kind of just fielding some interest in other spaces and just excited to see where we'll end up. Um, Very cool. Yeah. And then uh, lifestyle wise, what I'm up to is just what I, I call it eating clean, training mean and staying lean. I I'm trying to be mindful of what I what I take in nutritionally um, without crazy rules or a fad diet making it really simple and like asking the questions like what makes my body feel good right Mm -hmm. what i've kind of settled on is a intermittent fasting schedule uh i eat what i call the herd and the harvest so it's just like lean protein fruits and vegetables not quite paleo though i'm all about eating some good beans and i'm also pretty uh lenient like i'm definitely gonna get shipley donuts with my kids on saturday mornings as a tradition oh heck yeah um I don't shy away from the occasional cocktail and like, I like to enjoy life too, yeah. uh, but in a sensible way and just keep it, you know, as, as clean and clear as possible. And then I move my body. Some days I'm lifting weights, some days I'm cross training. Mm-hmm. Um, some days are rest days and I try my best to honor those too. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of the summation of what I'm up to family wise, physically, and then also um, in the business. That's amazing. It's always like trial and error with life. Like, you know, you're like, oh man, this last week I was crazy busy and you get to the weekend and it's just like, I'm exhausted. And it's like, okay, how do I, I don't know, this is what I've been thinking is like, how do you bring in, you know, we're always talking about balance and I think work-life balance has been a big uh, key term in the last, you know, however many years, but it's like, we're not going to get to perfect in our balancing of all the activities we do, but like, how can I get to a place where you have some type of balance where you're giving true attention to your family, you're you're giving true attention to your body, you're giving true attention to, to your work, um, and being, like you said, being present. Because yeah. I think what ends up happening is we have this like big pitcher of water and we should only be pouring it into like three glasses, but we end up pouring it into 20. So then everyone gets wow. like a 16th of what we actually have. And it's like, at that point, is it really worth it to give a 16th? Like, why not give someone a third of your energy? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, so good. You know, I think what helped me a lot was shifting from the idea of balance to the idea of rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, you got to be fully present. And so I find that like, Rhythm is what drives music forward, but then also what it always comes back to, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you rely on rhythm because if the snare is out of place and the kick drum's out of place, then, like, this ain't music anymore. It's just a yeah. mess of sound, right? Yeah. And so keeping everything in its place, again, characterizing that by being fully present where you are in a moment is powerful because if I take work home with me into home life, now, you know, that snare drum is out of place. It's playing off rhythm. Mm. This doesn't sound good, right? 
But I yeah. get a good smooth flow if when I'm at home, I'm fully present at home and not concerned with things of the work day. And then when I'm at work too, I've got to do the same thing and be all in and be fully present at work and make sure that I am engaging and connecting and doing life with the people that I'm called to serve in that space, right? Yep. And so now nothing lingers out of pocket. Everything is right where it should be. I'm able to be fully present all in 100% myself uh, in the capacity in which I'm serving in that given moment. That was game changing for me. Yeah, it's a good reminder because I I think sometimes we're too harsh on ourselves, or at least I am of like, oh, you got to be doing all the things all the time. And it's like, yeah, let's have some rhythm to this. And also grace, because we are humans, and we are going to mess up and, and that's okay. But, you know, being able to have that rhythm and continue to move forward and to know like, hey, I'm at home, I'm not going to be disturbed by work. Like, and that takes a lot of energy and like commitment to say like, nope, this is not the time or place to, to be doing that right now. It is the absolute worst. And I think it's happened to all of us when you're talking to someone like in person and you know, they're not interested and you yeah. know that their mind is somewhere else. You're, they're not even looking you in the eyes and it, it, it makes you feel insignificant. Yeah. As you started, like, you know, you realize through a therapy session that, you know, you didn't have the attention that you needed as a child. And it's like, that's powerful. Like, I think as humans, we don't realize like the impact um, of things, you know, it's the, they call it, I think it's like the formative years, like the first five years of your life, like how impactful those are to the rest of your journey on this earth. Yeah. And so, you know, for you to acknowledge that that had happened and, and then to, to take action and say, Hey, like, I want to be fully present in my children's lives. Like that is, that is action at its finest and that it takes hard work. It's not easy at all. And so I just want to say like, Hey, good job, because it's easy just to brush that stuff off. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate those kind words so much. Yeah. Yeah, It's a journey and something I'm definitely trying to grow into. I won't profess to be perfect or complete, um, but I, I love this learning and I love this journey. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you cited discipline as the key determining factor mm-hmm. as to whether or not we have access to that. Um, that is so real. It takes a lot of discipline and it's hard work. Yeah. And discipline is something you have to give yourself grace for because that journey takes a lot of trying, failing, you know, getting back up again. So it's, that's powerful. Yeah, for sure. Well, Terry, seriously, thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with me. And it's been really rad uh, getting to know you more. And when I'm out in Houston one day, I got to hit you guys up and uh, come see you and uh, come to your gym. Heck yeah, I would love that. And likewise, when I'm in SoCal, yes. I'll go swing your direction and, and connect.